What is going on, everybody? Happy Wednesday night. Happy Thanksgiving Eve to you and yours. This is the All About the Birds weekly report, and we are doing our Eye on the Enemy segment because, my friends, it is Eagles-Giants week, part one. I am Chip at Chip for the Birds. This is Johnny U, Johnny U9322, Mike Bauer at Rewind CEO. And tonight, 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 we have a very, very special Eye on the Enemy guest we have with us. Lance Meadow, you can find him at Lance Meadow. He is a Giants radio network pre-half and post-game host. He is a serious XM host. He is the play-by-play voice for Columbia for the Ivy League, and he is a Westwood one on-air talent. Lance, thank you for coming on tonight, my friend. Well, I'm looking forward to the conversation, guys. It's a pleasure being here, and thanks so much for having me on the program. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good one. So. Look, we were we were backstage before the show started, and we had to uh, we talked a little Eagles Giants already. But I have to ask the one question because there was some Giants news this week, and I'm and I'm jumping right into it because <laughs> it was a mutual enemy of ours, a a Cowboys head coach um, who became the offensive coordinator in Sir Claps, Jason Garrett. My question for you is this. Why is he the fall guy for the giant struggles this season? Well, it's a great question. I think it goes deeper than play calling. Let me preface my statement that way first, meaning I think that there's issues beyond that. But as far as your question about, well, why is he the scapegoat? And let's look at the giants issues going back to the beginning of 2020 guys. They averaged last season, 17 and a half points per game. That was 31st in the NFL. This season, they're through 10 games. They've only gone up to 18.9 points. That means that they have not even increased their scoring by two full points since the end of last season. So is it all on Jason Garrett? No, because I think there's been penalties issues. There's been offensive line issues. There's been the lack of execution in terms of personnel across the board. There's been injuries across the board, too, something that the Eagles can certainly relate to going back to last season when the offensive line was a game of musical chairs, even to a certain degree this year. So the reason, though, why they decided to make a change is because if you continue to do the same thing over and over again and you expect different results, it's certainly not going to reap the rewards that way. So I think Joe Judge is looking at the fact that perhaps a different play caller gives them a different perspective. They're getting healthier. They're getting some of their weapons back. And you combine those factors that hopefully the offense overall will increase. They scored. There's been 10 games, guys. They Mm -hmm. scored 20 points or less in seven of those 10 games. That's 70%. You show me another team in the National Football League that is going to put itself in a position to forget win games, remain competitive when you can only bank on 17 to 20 points a game, it just, it doesn't work. So they're looking at this as seven games left. Can we put the key in the ignition? Can we spark the offense? But most important, this to me is in a critical seven game stretch for Daniel Jones, because if you're going to mm-hmm. say now that you've changed the play caller, if you're going to say now that you're getting some of the other key weapons back to full health, such as Saquon Barkley, Andrew right. Thomas on the offensive line, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony, though he's banged up. Now it's the onus is on the quarterback to capitalize and take advantage of that. So I actually would argue, I think it puts a little bit more pressure on Daniel Jones here down the stretch of the final seven games because they're making changes 
to help his cause. Now he has to answer that call. So uh, is then, and kind of this is the follow-up to, so you're saying that the pressure is on Daniel Jones. Is Joe Judge on any kind of hot seat then? Well, I think everybody right now certainly is being put under the microscope. Whenever a head coach makes a change on the coaching staff, you could say that that's to send a message to the players. It's to send a message to the fan base, however you want to interpret it. But the bottom line is, if you're making a change, you're admitting to a certain degree that things did not go according to plan. So I think by default, to answer your question, and I don't know what the Giants front office right now is thinking. I think right now they want to see how the final seven games goes until they jump to conclusions. But I do think that this certainly puts everybody under the microscope. I think hot seat may be a little bit too strong, but I do think everybody right now is going to be scrutinized further. That's why I said I think Daniel Jones is going to have a little bit more pressure on him as a result. But the one thing I will say, if you're going to go in the direction of, you know, what are the Giants going to do? We might as well open up Pandora's box. I'll help you jump through that gate. They have now had every two years a new head coach. And I mm. think that's something that you need as an organization. You need to take a step back and you need to say to yourself, okay, Ben McAdoo didn't even last two full seasons. Then you brought in Pat Shermer, who I thought did a really good job from an offensive standpoint. If you guys look back, they were scoring at a very good rate with Pat Shermer. The defense struggled with James Betcher their defensive coordinator, but they decided to move on. Okay, so you brought in Joe Judge in 2020. We're more than halfway through year two. The answer is to now bring in another new head coach. You see how the cycle's playing out? And yeah. no matter whether it's the Giants we're talking about, the Denver Broncos, guys, I don't care what team you bring up. I cover the NFL for Sirius XM. I've seen this across the league. There is no franchise that you could tell me that instantaneously had success if they continue the revolving door of head coaches and GMs. It just, it doesn't work. I understand fans want change. I get it. I can understand it through their lens, but from a business stability standpoint, you don't have winning when it's synonymous with constant change at the head coach. It's impossible to finally mm -hmm. say to yourself, this is going to be our identity and we're going to build through with it. You just, you don't do that if you constantly change coaches every two years. And that's, you know, to, to say something like that is, is real big because you look at the Eagles and Nick Sirianni and you look at early in the season, it was, oh, this offense can't do anything. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's way over his head. But what did he do? He went and he adjusted. He adjusted to the personnel that he had on, you know, on the field. And you look at the last couple of weeks and you look at the way the Eagles offense is, is running and the way that they're running the ball and how they're using their offensive, you know, playmakers and what they're doing. How does a team like the Giants now, now the Giants play, I think they play more of a 3-4 type of scheme on defense. How do they look to stop the Eagles' run game? Because the Eagles just ran for 242 yards against the best run defense in the NFL and one of the best defenses in the NFL in the New Orleans Saints. Um, what What is Patrick Graham and the New York Giants going to try to do to stop you know Jalen Hurts in the run game? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it's a big concern. And also, they ran for over 200 yards against the Denver Broncos the week prior. So it's really two straight games where this Eagles rushing attack has really clicked. And I think using the Eagles as sort of what the Giants are striving for, which is can you evolve and adapt with your personnel from an offensive standpoint? And I think what you saw was the Eagles offensive line got healthier. 
And they started to realize, hey, now we have the ability to run the football on top of the uniqueness of Jalen Hurts. To get back to your question, my biggest concern from the Giants' perspective is they just played a Monday night game against Tampa Bay. So you went up against, yes, Tom Brady, arguably the greatest quarterback ever, but you went up against a guy that's not a threat to leave the pocket, even though he did run for 10 yards <laughs> on that nifty play. But you guys get my point. You're not worried about Brady. You may be worried about Leonard Fournette, right, and so forth. Now, when you play the Eagles, it's not just Miles Sanders and Boston Scott, the conventional running backs. It's can you keep contained Jalen Hurts? Now, I don't want to compare and say they're identical, but the Eagles are reminding me guys a lot with respect to the Baltimore Ravens. Because when you play Baltimore, Lamar is what really makes everybody else on edge. And he opens up the lanes for the running backs because you're so focused on Lamar that then all of a sudden you forget, hey, they're going to run with Devontae Freeman. They're going to run with some of their other running backs. So the Eagles to me are very similar. So I think what's extremely important is you have to contain Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. I think the Giants are going to say to themselves, hey, if Miles Sanders and Boston Scott get some chunk yardage here or there, that's fine. But if Jalen starts going off for seven-yard runs, eight-yard runs, nine-yard runs. Just think about, guys, if he does that on first and second down, the manageable third downs that the Eagles are going to be able to see, and then all you need to do is gain one or two yards. That's what the Bucks did to the Giants. They stayed in manageable third downs. They dink and dunked all game long. I think the Giants need to contain Jalen Hurts on the ground. If they don't do that, the Eagles are going to be able to dictate this game entirely on the ground, and they're going to be in very manageable third downs. And the Giants' defense has been very hit or miss in terms of stopping teams on third down and also preventing teams from doing damage with respect to the red zone. I think the results recently have been better, but I think they took a step back against Tampa Bay. Lance, do you think think that possibly changing coordinators now could be an advantage for the Giants? I understand that it's a shorter week, but – Freddie Kitchens did help them go. The Browns go five and three in 2019. We could say that this Giants team probably has the same amount of talent offensively that the Browns did at that time. I'm also not the biggest Baker Mayfield guy, um, but you know you can't change. You could change coordinators. You can't change schemes. You just can't not in the middle of the season. But he could possibly do some other things that maybe Jason Garrett was hesitant to do. So there could be things on film that possibly Jonathan Gannon who isn't the best adjuster, hasn't seen yet, do you feel that could be an advantage for you guys? Yeah, it's an interesting perspective. I don't think they're going to dramatically change the scheme, to your point, because not only do they not have enough time, remember, it's also a short week. They played a Monday night game, and now you're all of a sudden flipping the switch to play the Eagles. So, no, I do not think it's going to be a dramatic transformation. The good news for Daniel Jones is Freddie Kitchens has been in the system, and remember, he called plays – for Jason Garrett when Garrett missed a game last season due to COVID. Coincidentally, they went up against Freddie's former team, the Browns, and the offensive results were not overwhelming. Now, did they have Kenny Galladay and Saquon Barkley? No. So you have to take all of that into consideration. Do I think it could be different in terms of what I think you were alluding to? A little bit more aggressive. Do they take more shots down the field, for example? Do they look for more explosive plays? I think you may see that. You may see the Giants look to test the Eagles secondary and the Eagles don't have an overwhelming amount of sacks. So if Daniel Jones has some time, could that mean they look to air it out? Absolutely. 
I would expect things like that. But no, I, I don't think that Freddie Kitchens is going to be staying up late at night and digging into his bag of tricks. And we're going to see Kenny Galladay <laughs> throw passes or we're going to see four other offensive line catch touchdowns like Andrew Thomas did in the end zone. No, I don't think it's going to be that extreme. I mean, what? he's one of your he's one of your leading receivers now this season. That's uh, there you go. Yes, which says a lot, by the way, about the state <laughs> of the Giants' offense. Okay, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, so let me ask you this: because at the beginning of the season, you know, we, every everybody in the NFC East was coming off of a season where you know somebody had to win the NFC East, and it just happened to be Washington. Um, so everybody readjusts, they get ready for the season, and they level in their expectations. Eagles fans settled in on, we know this is a development year. We're hoping for you know somewhere in the realm of seven to nine wins. That'd be really impressive. Now we're sitting here, and we're, our, our narrative has changed. We're going, okay, this might be a playoff team in Philadelphia because of all the things that we have going for us. Before the season, what was the state of where people thought the Giants would be and how has it changed for the better or worse since the season actually started? I think expectations were very high from the Giants fan base. Let me preface that because me personally, I thought the Giants entering this season, it was the most intriguing team in the NFC East. And what I meant by that is I thought they did a nice job in free agency in the offseason adding talent to help Daniel Jones the defense looked good in the latter part of last season, but you were still, at least through my perspective, uncertain, was everything going to carry over? Was everything going to click? Was the offensive line going to play well? So my feeling, once again, intriguing because sort of a fascinating team, but a lot had to go right for them to get into that 10-win conversation where we're talking about they could have a legitimate shot to win the division or perhaps get to a wild card. So... I did not look at them coming in as a playoff team because I thought they still had a lot of questions from an execution standpoint. The fan base, though, to get back to your question, I think the fan base, if you ask the majority of the fans, they believe that this team was going to contend for the NFC East title and make some serious noise and that the offensive production was going to have a dramatic turnaround, meaning you go from 17 and a half points to maybe a touchdown more, which I didn't think was realistic because – Guys, if you look at the NFL archives, how many teams have you seen change by a touchdown from one season to another? I mean, that's asking a lot. So, once again, I know I'm giving you sort of two answers. No, it's it's I'm, perfect. It's exactly right. Yeah, and I'm talking to Giants fans on a daily basis through my talk show on Giants.com. So, I heard all offseason excitement, expectations were absolutely high. And I think also in the building, expectations were at least promising. Unfortunately, they suffered a number of injuries, which is the nature of the beast. Listen, I bring this up to Giants fans all the time. I think you guys can relate to this. To me, the poster child of how to handle injuries. No, no, I know <laughs> shit, maybe what you were looking at. 2017, okay? When the team won the Super Bowl, how many players were lost on the Eagles roster? I remind people about this all the time. It wasn't just Carson Wentz. No. Way beyond. The, the fact that our, our injured reserve could have been its own all-pro team was sure. absurd. 100%. But Doug Peterson, and we saw this in previous Eagles-Giants matchups. If you guys remember, I think this was the game where Eli played for Daniel Jones because Daniel got hurt, and the Eagles had a bunch of practice squad guys they had to call up. They were down to, like, Two wide receivers at one point. They were utilizing uh, the Boston Scott game. Yes. yes. 
Okay. And Zach Ertz, <laughs> Zach Ertz caught the game-winning touchdown. If you guys remember, I think the game remember. went to overtime, if I'm correct. Yeah, and the Rams. That game, mm -hmm. Okay. That game is the perfect example of a coaching staff adapting to the issues on the roster. Okay. So the point is we've seen teams do this. Do they always succeed all the time? No. Okay. We have to be realistic. But you can only point to injuries so much as a reason why your team is struggling. That's my main point. You know, and, I think, and, yeah, I think and, that's big. And, and you talk about injuries. And one thing, you know, with the Giants and something they've struggled with in recent years has been the offensive line. Uh, the offensive line has been a big key of a lot. You know, I know a bunch of Giants fans, you know, my family basically are all Giants fans. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I, I, I hear it a lot, but the, the, the offensive line, do they have it, you living in the basement as a result of this? That's actually where he's podcasting yeah. from. That's where okay. he, he podcasts from. I just from. wanted to know. So <laughs> yeah. we had clarification. Unfortunately, yeah. Well, they're from <laughs> Jersey, so they're, they're, Gi they're Giants. I'm Eagles, but it is what it is. But you you look at the injuries that they've had. You know, Nick Gates going down with a you know gruesome injury, out for the season. And then Shane Lemieux got hurt. And then you have Billy Price, you know, Matt Skurs, Max Skurs playing. You have Will Hernandez, who's been struggling. You know, Nate Solder's back playing on the right-hand side. You get Andrew Thomas back, which is okay. But I I know Tampa's a very good, you know, team, you know, pass rushing team with all the all the type of uh, players they have. But they I think they pressured Daniel Jones almost 40%, over 40% of the time. He was pressured. He was running for his life, it seemed like, on Monday night. Now, look at it this week with the Eagles. The Eagles' biggest, I think their biggest strength is the interior of their defensive line. So how do you think the interior of the Eagles' defensive line compares – to the Giants' offensive line. How do you think that battle, is that a key to the game? Yeah, because I thought it was a key to the game against Tampa Bay. Everybody, for example, on Monday night was talking about Shaq Barrett and JPP, but I was pointing to, and I know the Bucs didn't have Vita Vea, but in Dominican Sue and mm -hmm. even Steve McClendon and Raheem Nunez Roches, okay, you know, those guys are guys that could penetrate, force the pocket to collapse. So, to your point, yeah, Fletcher Cox, uh, he's feasted at times, especially against the Giants, and the interior of the offensive line, which is what you were talking about, you know, that's given the Giants some problems. It hasn't necessarily been Andrew Thomas, who I think is developing very nicely. Unfortunately, he was hurt, and Matt Parrott, I thought, did a nice job filling in for him. Nate Solders had his ups and downs at right tackle, but you brought up Will Hernandez, who was plagued by penalties in the last game, and Billy Price is filling in at center. And then Matt Skura, who's been with the Baltimore Ravens. It's been a game of musical chairs a little bit. They're trying to gain some chemistry. But yeah, if that pocket collapses on the interior, then you're going to see the Derek Barnett's of the world and the Josh Sweats of the world be able to tee off and all of a sudden get after Daniel Jones. So I'm with you, Johnny. I think it absolutely centers around the interior matchup, the Eagles' defensive tackles, against the Giants guards and the centers. Can the Giants offensive line neutralize that group to a degree to allow Daniel Jones to survey the field, try to throw down the field and test that Eagles secondary? And also, can they get the running game going now that Saquon's back? They ran the ball well with Devontae Booker when Saquon was mm -hmm. sidelined the last two games, but it was tough sledding against the Bucs. Now, granted, the Bucs are right up there with the Saints, who have a top rushing defense. They were all allow allowing 80 yards per game. But then again, Philadelphia was able to still pound the ball against New Orleans. However, I think in fairness, the Saints came in as the walking wounded. They were without a lot of key personnel. But you know what? 
you got to take advantage of that. And that's exactly what the Eagles did. But I do think this is an interior matchup. There's no doubt. I, I think that I went on record a lot last week saying that the Saints having the rushing defense ranking that they did was exceptionally overinflated because you can't control who you play against. But the Saints didn't play against really anybody with solid running attacks. So they played against a lot of teams who passed the ball a lot or just didn't have good running backs. So, yes, they were great at stopping the run, but they played a lot of teams that don't run the ball well. I think the Eagles have now identified as a team that runs the ball well. So I'm going to be curious to see that matchup. Um, Javier, one of our really good listeners is asking a question. How are the giants feeling about Barkley and the future? You're now looking at two seasons missing significant amounts of time with a running back, which is already a position that, you know, gets dinged on a little bit for not being as important anymore, but we've, we obviously know it is an important position, but is Saquon Barkley starting to get some concerns raised about him and his health? Yeah, durability is the key, and I like to use the term availability, which is even more important, because can you be a reliable option on the field? And as you mentioned, unfortunately, he's battled his fair share of injuries, and even with him returning this year, he got banged up again. It was a freak accident. He steps on the foot of a Cowboys defender. I mean, who saw that coming? And then, unfortunately, misses multiple weeks with the ankle injury. As far as the Giants' outlook, they picked up his fifth-year option. So they have him on the books from that standpoint. Remember, you have to make that decision before the fourth year even begins. So he was a 2018 first-round pick, 18, 19, 20, 21. He's on the books for year five, which would be next year. I think the Giants are going to have to ask themselves a very serious question about whether or not they feel they can designate resources to a player who has some question marks about durability. I, I think that's certainly something that they have to weigh before they lock him up to an extension. And I also would be interested to see, you know, Barkley's mindset too. Because remember, Saquon has experienced an offensive line that's been up and down too. Does he get to the point where he wants to explore other options? You know, whenever we look at these player-team relationships, a lot of times we look at it from the team lens. And I'm not saying that Saquon wants to run out the door. Don't get me wrong, because who knows what the market's going to look like for a guy like Saquon if he continues to struggle with injuries. But sometimes players also may say to themselves, if I want to elongate my career, do I want to go to a team that maybe gives me a better option of running and being more effective? So I think that's something he's going to have to ask himself. But I don't think right now, if you were to ask the Giants, and this is my personal opinion, I don't think they would be ready to say, we want to lock up Saquon to an extension and we want to sign him on the dotted line. I think if you're the Giants, you let him play out, the five years into next year, and then you determine where you're at. Keep in mind, they did a very similar thing, different position. Evan Ingram, their tight end, also somebody that battled injuries. They picked up the fifth-year option. This was his fifth year. They didn't give him an extension. He's set to be a free agent after this year. I think it'll be a very similar approach with Saquon Barkley. So the, the, the other thing I want to – bring up uh, you mentioned it earlier about the Giants and their points per game because I and how you thought you know a seven point swing and how sometimes that doesn't really happen <clears throat> I thought about the Eagles last year and how you know bad they were and their offense was very bad they averaged 20.9 points per game last year this year right now they're at 27 points per game so it shows you that swing in you know points per game and that that can they were 411 and one last year Right now they're five and six with how many games remaining. So, you know, that swing is big. And what you did mention, it, you know, 
you you can put the stats to it and say, hey, if you can up your points per game, there's wins there that can be had. So there's just something I just I just happen to look at, but you were totally right with that. Yeah, 100%. Well, I mean, the other thing is when your offense produces at a consistent level, specifically in the Eagles' case, when they can run the ball, what has the Eagles' rushing attack done to protect the Eagles' defense? I mean, I think that's been huge. Because remember, it's this symbiotic relationship. We can't look at the offense on an island and then the defense just is on a separate island. Field position is so key. If you're running the ball, you're milking the clock, you're eating up time of possession. Now, time of possession is great. Finishing with touchdowns even better with time of possession. Time of possession needs to lead to something, but it's doing that right now for the Eagles. And the defense is well-rested. The defense is also able to be a little bit aggressive when they're playing with the lead, which they've done in each of the last two games. So, you know, that's the other thing that I view with respect to the Giants' offense, just to bring it back. When you're struggling to score points, the amount of pressure that this Giants defense has had on itself for the last season and a half has been overwhelming because if they know the offense is only going to give them 17 points, that means you're asking your defense essentially to hold the opposition to two touchdowns. Once you give up the third touchdown, that's it. All bets are off. And when the defense is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which it's been very hard to close out games and finish because Sometimes they go into games, they get a great defensive performance. There's no offensive support. Then they Mm -hmm. get, for example, against Washington, guys, earlier this season, week two, the Thursday night game, the offense puts together its best performance. They scored 29 points. They lost, though, because the defense had one of its roughest performances. And then, of course, they had the redo field goal because of the offsides on special teams. But that's the type of season it's been for the Giants. Sometimes you go into games, you have no idea what you're going to get out of either facet. It's, is the fear of Boston Scott real up there? <laughs> it's just what I don't know. Wow, I didn't expect that question to come up. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that, Mike. I mean, that may go down as a historical note here. Is the fear of Boston Scott real? Well, I can't say that they're shaking in their boots worried about Boston Scott in particular. If Miles Sanders was still on IR, Mike, you know, then maybe the hype in East Rutherford, New Jersey, surrounding Boston Scott would be taken up a notch. But well, Jordan Howard Sanders is out is this back. week. So Say that again? Jordan Howard is out this week, Correct. so Boston will be – it looks like he'll be the number two back, and then Gamewell should be the number three. So he'll, he'll get in there a little bit at least. Sure. Well, the both of them, Scott and Sanders, can both catch the ball out of the backfield. So I think that the Giants need to be prepared for – you could dump it off to one of those two guys for three or four yards. And if you miss tackles, you know, they could do even more damage. And that actually goes back to, I know you guys were asking me about the concern of the Eagles rushing attack from the Giants defensive perspective. The other thing that the Giants have had issues with, and this is why it's such a key matchup in terms of them stopping the run. Miss tackling has been a major issue, meaning guys are in position to maybe make it a four yard gain. And then all of a sudden somebody breaks out of a tackle. It becomes an eight yard gain. So when you're going up against a team like the Eagles, specifically Jalen Hurts, who's very elusive, they have to make sure when they hit him the first time, when they get to the initial point of contact, you got to be able to bring him down. So I combine the three-headed monster, Hurts, Scott, Sanders. So I'm not putting Scott on an island, Mike, okay? He's part of the three-headed monster. They're not viewing him solely as the big issue. The total package, can you make sure that if they do get some chunk yardage, 
that you're making it maybe four or five yards as opposed to seven or eight because that adds up in the end. And that's a big reason why the Eagles got well over 200 rushing yards in the last two games. Yeah. So sure. Bo- Boston Scott's career, I had to look it up. Boston Scott's career <laughs> numbers versus the Giants. 44 carries, 222 yards, which is five five yards a carry, five touchdowns, and 14 receptions, 210 yards, which is 15 per reception, and a touchdown. Oh, I remember. Trust me. Well, about this. He had – I mean, listen, I've been at these games. He had the – if memory serves me correct, I don't know if you have the game log in front of you, Johnny, but you guys would remember from following the Eagles. He had the three-touchdown game at MetLife Stadium, the final game of the season, right, where the Eagles locked up the division title because the Cowboys faltered down the stretch, if I'm correct. That was one season. And then last season, the Philadelphia comeback in Philly, Boston Scott caught the game-winning touchdown on Jabril Peppers. So, yeah, I mean, guys, come on. You know who you're talking to. I mean, yeah, I remember these things. Well, well since since we're, bring, hold on, since we're bringing up sad, awful issues, there have been some miracles at the Meadowlands, just there to name a few. Yes. I, believe there, I believe there have been three. Um, which one hurt the most? <laughs> well, the Deshaun Jackson one, I think, takes the cake. Come on. I mean, you bring that up to any Giants fan, they still cringe as if that was yesterday. Actually, bring it up to Tom Coughlin. And remember, he looks at his punter. He (laughs) even, I'll always remember that image. I know people remember Deshaun Jackson, right? Running right to left. But if you remember, Coughlin, he doesn't even care about the final score at that point. He's going over to his punter and he's, he's trying to get an explanation as to why he punted in the direction of Deshaun Jackson. That's the image <laughs> that I'll always remember from that game. Good old Matt Dodge. Oh. That's right. Did they don't cut bring him that up there? to Giants fans though? They don't want to hear Matt Dodge. <laughs> <laughs> did they cut that punter then? I don't. I would imagine that. Yes, they Matt Dodge's did. tenure with the Giants was not very long. I can assure you that, Mike. Let's put it this <laughs> way: I, you don't have to get a question from me whether or not Philadelphia is fearing Matt Dodge. Okay, that type, <laughs> okay is extremely overblown. Yes. Um. So, uh, yeah, so we've mentioned a couple of things. Obviously, the, there's a lot of different matchups that are going to happen. What is the most important thing that needs to happen this week for the Giants, besides just kind of keeping up with Jalen Hurts? What's the most important thing that has to happen for the Giants to win? And what's the most important thing that the Eagles have to happen to win? Well, for the Giants, I think it goes back to how we started this conversation, Chip, and that's they've got to be able to finish drives and score touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Now, this is not a game, and it really doesn't matter at this point who the Giants play. You can't get into the red zone four times and settle for three field goals. It really it right. doesn't matter because your defense, once again, this bend-but-don't-break philosophy that the defense has adopted, yeah, sometimes it's going to bend like it did against the Raiders, and it never broke. The Raiders were one for six in the red zone and they held them off 23, 16 and the giants got a defensive touchdown, but the offense only scored 16 points in that game. And then there's going to be games where it bends and it absolutely breaks, which is what happened on Monday night. So the giants, and I think they'll have the ability to move the ball on the Eagles defense. Now the Eagles defense is not necessarily a shutdown unit, but the question no. is, great, no, we are not. <laughs> okay. So you guys have confirmed that. But can you, once again, can you punch it in? So that, to me, is by far the number one factor. The Giants have to finish drives with touchdowns. If they don't do that, then I think it's going to be very difficult for them to finish with a W. It doesn't mean that the game won't be competitive. It's just it's going to be, once again, 
a very stressful type of scenario for them. For the Eagles, in terms of what Philadelphia has to do, I think they have to run the ball to stay in manageable third downs and really put the pressure on that Giants defense because, once again, there's been some mixed results from that standpoint. As far as what their defense needs to do, the goal, if I'm Philadelphia, is with some of the weapons back, can you limit the explosive plays? If you go back to that Saints game, which was also one of the better Giants offensive productions, in addition Mm -hmm. to that Washington game I was referencing, where they rallied back on the road and they beat the Saints, the reason why, guys, they came back in that game, and by the way, they only had 10 points with about seven minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. So even that game, right, fully from start to finish, wasn't an offensive clinic. But what happened late in that game, Saquon had the catch and run for a touchdown. Kenny Galladay had some big catches, broke through some tackles. So what we're seeing is the common element is when the Giants offense gets in the end zone, it's not putting together a 10-play, 85-yard drive. It's putting together maybe a five-play drive, and it's highlighted by a 40-yard catch and run or a bomb. So if the Eagles could stop the Giants' explosive plays, then I think, once again, you put Daniel Jones and company in a position where they have to methodically move down the field, and they've done that, but they haven't been able to finish. So that's what the Eagles' defense has to do. I like it. Well, you're you're we're making predictions already. So we're getting to a point now where we need to know what do you think is going to happen on Sunday? And then as we mentioned in the in the uh, green room, do you like a lock segment? We'd like to know something that you think is guaranteed to happen in the NFL. So a prediction of some kind for Sunday and then a guarantee for the NFL week 13. Well, I'll start with the guarantee for the NFL coming up here. I like the Patriots continuing their hot streak, and Mm -hmm. I think they are going to quiet Tennessee. I think Tennessee is going to have another setback after losing to the Houston Texans because this Patriots defense is for real. I don't think this group is a joke. I think Tennessee is having a very rough go running the football without Derrick Henry. Julio Jones is on IR. So they're not necessarily able to open up the passing game because they don't have the two dynamic wide receivers. I think Bill Belichick's defense is going to give Ryan Tannehill and company a very tough day. And I think the Patriots are going to hand Tennessee another loss. And I think before you know it, we may be looking at New England as the number one team in the AFC. Don't wow. Yeah. Ooh. Whoa. All right. So a Patriots win. We'll start there. And then. If at some point the Patriots are in the running for the number one seed in the AFC, I'm going to start calling you for lottery numbers and uh, (laughs) gambling predictions because that is a huge pick. Wow. But I don't think you're that far off, honestly. I mean, I I did my weekly pick off um, where I picked the games uh, right before this. I agree. The Patriots, they're they're doing the right things right now. Mac Jones is playing really smart football. And the Titans don't have anybody that can run. The, like, they just cut Adrian Peterson as well. Like, yeah. they thought that Derrick Henry equals Adrian Peterson, and they sh- they discovered very quickly it did not. So, yeah. I don't I don't think that that pick is uh, – that lock is that unreasonable. I'm going to be honest with you there. Well, their and defense the- is what's really impressed me. If you yeah. look at their turnover differential, guys, they have 18 interceptions and 21 takeaways. 18 interceptions? Come on. I mean, you're not that lucky. They're doing I, things to manufacture that when you have I, that many interceptions. I think the one player on the, J.C. Jackson, you know, undrafted out of Maryland, <sighs> you know, he's 
nine interceptions last year, six interceptions this year. He had five interceptions in his rookie year. I think he had four interceptions. He's a playmaker. He's a ball hawk. He, he the balls ends up in his hands. It seems like every single week. And uh-huh. they just he know the thing is Bill Belichick knows how to pluck those veterans that either he used that used to be on the team. You know the Kyle Van Noy, the Jamie Collins, those type of players. He knows what to do with them, and it's working. And you can see it; you, it's evident. And the Bills better watch out because they ain't going to be in. They're not going to be. Uh, they'll be looking up to the Patriots again. Well, and they're already Ooh. looking up. They're yeah. already because they're percentage points behind New England with Buffalo slipping up against Indianapolis and New England taking care of business. And remember, the Patriots also going to be well rested because they played last Thursday against the Atlanta Falcons. So that's another reason why they've had time min- that mini bye week. Yeah, absolutely. And remember, guys. By the way, New England hasn't had its bye yet. So New England oh, still gets a late buy. Can you imagine? And once again, I'm not comparing them to Tampa Bay, but remember Tampa Bay got the late buy and then won the final mm. four regular season games in a 17-game schedule? That could do wonders for you. And the oh, Eagles, yeah. by the way, have the late buy too. Mm-hmm. So don't dismiss that. I wasn't going to say it, but you know. Uh, listen, you know, I keep up with the league. I'm, I'm going to drop <laughs> those little nuggets here. You know? I'm going to appease your viewers just a tad. Well, we appreciate it. Um so let's see if you're really going to appease us. <laughs> Who? Here we go. Yeah. What's uh, what's going to happen on Sunday, Lance? Well, this is the way that I see it, and I'm not trying <laughs> to backpedal. The Giants, if they're going to win this game, then to me, this has to be a Jalen Hurts passing game. That's how the okay. Giants win this game, okay? And when I say Jalen Hurts passing game, I want to see Jalen Hurts throw the ball between 35 to 40 times. That's the mm. recipe for the Giants. Well, I know you're shaking your head, but that's the recipe for the Giants. We don't, we don't want this that. Game. No, thank you. So, no, thank you. The question is, can the Giants put the Eagles in a position to do that? The Eagles are going to do everything in their power not to do that. I mean, look at the volume of runs that they right. had over the last few weeks. I mean, we're talking about a team that ran the ball 50 times. Now, they ran it that much because they also had a sizable lead. So mm. obviously that's going to dictate it. But even if this game is, let's say, competitive and close – And I would be surprised if this game gets truly out of hand because I think both of these teams have some issues on either one side of the ball. But if the Giants are going to win this game, they are going to have to be able to say, we're putting Jalen Hurts in passing situations. We could get after Jalen Hurts a little, put some pressure on him, and they become a one-dimensional offense. Now, how many times have the Giants been able to do that? Well, they played Patrick Mahomes close. They played Derek Carr close. But the differences in those games was you got consistent pressure and they got some takeaways. That's the other key here. The Giants have had at least one takeaway in every single game this season. So that's been consistent. And we've seen the Eagles have some issues in terms of the turnover bug. So, you know, that to me is another key because I think if Hertz has to throw the ball, then he's going to put it in harm's way and the Giants may have some opportunities to capitalize. Do I believe that's going to play out to perfection? Once again, guys, based on the Giants' results this season, it's so hard to predict which team's going to show up. It's hard for me to bank on that Giants team showing up. So, I mean, if you were to ask me, I think the Eagles come into this game as the favorite. I think the Eagles have the edge, and the onus is on the Giants' offense to be able to put points on the board consistently against the Eagles' defense. And until the Giants' offense does that, it's hard for me to bank on that. All right. I, I think that's I think that's very fair. I think that's very, very fair. Um, 
So Lance, we want to be very respectful of your time. Is there anything that you would like to plug to promote before we, we send you on your way on this wonderful Thanksgiving Eve? Well, I certainly appreciate the opportunity to do so. I mean, people can follow me on Twitter at Lance Meadow, where I promote all my work. Last name is M-E-D-O-W, as you guys perfectly laid out in terms of the graphics. So I thank you. Most people try to add an A in my name, and that's why I constantly spell it out. They can hear me on Sirius XM. I'm on Mad Dog Sports Radio, NFL Radio, host a variety of shows. Obviously, I'm part of the Giants Radio Network. Also do shows on Giants.com. Not that something tells me Eagles fans are going to be consuming themselves with that. <laughs> but we might as well throw that out. And then, obviously, I do plenty of play-by-play work in terms of college basketball, Columbia basketball, as you see I'm showcasing here. And uh, Westwood One Sports, I do some uh, national broadcasts in terms of college basketball as well as some other sports. So I'm pretty much uh, across the dial in a variety of different venues. That's very cool. That's very cool. Well, Lance, we we appreciate you coming on today. Uh, you know, it's it's round one of this, so we're gonna see what what happens, and then we'll you know we we play again in a couple weeks, and we'll 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 attack it all again. Absolutely. Well, one other thing I wanted to throw out, guys, and I hate to extend my stay here. No, but, you're more than you welcome know, to. Well, the other thing I'm just curious from your perspective, because you know I'm hearing it from the Giants fan base. I'm just curious within the Philadelphia fan base, how much concern there is about how last season ended with the Eagles not helping the Giants cause. And are you guys concerned that that's going to be on the minds of some of the Giants players? I haven't heard. Well, I'm so glad you asked about peanut peanut a little while ago, put up the comment. Are they still mad about us tanking and then hopping (laughs) the pick and stealing Bama? Y'all still mad? Huh? Go birds. So that that's peanut. Um, And I think that that's kind of, Again, this is from my perspective. I, the idea of the tanking wasn't, um, we were not big fans of it here. And I think ultimately that led to one of the many reasons why Doug Peterson was asked politely to not come back. Um, because that's not what we, that's not what we do here. We don't buy into that. I understand that there's a logic to it. And, you know, Johnny's our, one of our, our draft guys and, Mike being our fantasy guy and you know, looking at numbers and fa- I can assure you they have pretty similar guesses. Yes, it put us in a better position, um, but we don't support that. I don't support losing a game intentionally. For, for me, for- <laughs> we made a lot of Giants fans mad. I loved it. Sorry. Mike, I try- I'm trying to help. Wait, wait, Chip, remember well, what I Lord, said? I'm not taking it personally. So, you know, you guys don't have anything to Chip, here. Yeah. You know, for, for me, you know, personally, to not see the Giants in the playoffs, it warms my heart. So, for me, I didn't really care all that much. And think about it this way, though, Chip. Eagles losing. They were able to trade with the Miami Dolphins, who are not playing very well. You have the eighth pick right now from Miami. Plus, you got Devontae Smith because you were able to move back. Yeah. Let's see how it all plays out. Come on the years. You know, they, were, they weren't doing it. Nate Sudfeld, whoever, you know, Jeffrey Lurie said he, he throws a great deep ball. We didn't see that. But still, hey. You know, it, it is what it is. It happened that way. The thing is, for Giants fans, and on Giants fans, a lot of Giants fans cried about it because they sure. they're not playing. But again, you should have won won more games early in the season. And yeah, weren't they Johnny, six and ten? I couldn't have said it better. They were six and ten last year, right? Correct. Yep. Don't yep. sit here and whine to me about how we <laughs> when you're six and ten. All right. The fact of the matter is, they should have just looked at the NFC East last year, and the NFL should have went no. Nah. Mm-mm. None Nobody of you. None no. of you. We're just going to take somebody, just put in the entire NFC West. I don't care. 
That's what they well, should have done. But remember, we had some other down years. Remember the year the Panthers made the playoffs at 7-8-1, and one, and then they wound mm-hmm. up beating the Cardinals. So my argument is it's very rare. You still need to reward the team that wins the division, no matter how bad it may be. So that's where I stand on that. But I'm with you guys. The Giants had every opportunity to put themselves in a position to not have to receive help and assistance from somebody else. And I told every Giants fan that I've talked to about that. The other thing I wanted to throw out real quickly And this is what I have more of an issue with. And it may be a little bit different, but if you guys remember, the Steelers played the Browns in week 17 last season. Mm -hmm. And Pittsburgh rested a lot of its starters. Mm -hmm. And then they wound up meeting Cleveland. Remember the following weekend that Cleveland did a number to them? I had more of an issue by saying the Steelers, had they played the starters and treated that game, maybe you don't even play Cleveland and you avoid having to play the Browns. Why doesn't enough people have an issue with that and all they talk about is helping out another team trying to make the playoffs. If we're talking about competitive balance, let's be at least even across the board in terms Absolutely. of what we're talking about. I think a lot of it had to do with the national audience because it was on Sunday Night Football. Yes, was it was the last yeah. game. It was the last yeah. game of the season. And they yeah. wanted to see something competitive to make it interesting down the stretch. No, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. Absolutely. Yeah, I, well, I, th- I think that knowing what that game was against Washington last year, and the NFL knew what that game was going to be, there was no reason why it was in a prime time time slot. When oh, they flex games all the game, time, no way. If that's a one o'clock game, nobody cares. Yeah, sure. nobody. But it also, well, if it's a one o'clock game, it, it's not as relevant because there's not as many eyes on it. Correct from yeah. a national audience. Well, I was fearing actually they were gonna take the Giants-Cowboys game and move that to four so that that ends and then you go right into it. So I'm glad that we got out of there at a decent hour from a broadcasting standpoint. See, <laughs> when you broadcast the games, and I don't know if fans understand this enough, we want it start early, finish early, okay? That's yeah. where I come from. So this way we can go on and prepare for the next thing on the schedule. I'm not looking to wait around all day for an 8 p.m. Eastern kickoff. So I was very happy from that perspective. We as we as podcasters who do post-game shows right after the game also appreciate when games end a little bit earlier because we're not broadcasting go. at midnight. No, I like yes. I like late games. I have my reasons. Okay, well, Johnny's got to be the outlier. Exactly. I can't say that's why surprised. he lives in the basement. Yes. That's why he, he lives, lives in the, the basement. basement. And that's why his family's Giants fans and he's the Lone Eagles fan. So it fits the profile. The there outlier. you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Lance, we want to thank you for joining us tonight. You have been incredibly informative. We've learned a lot about, you know, the evil G-men that we will be facing. Um, and we really, like I said, we appreciate you coming on. We hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving with your family. Um, luckily, you guys don't have to play any football tomorrow. <laughs> Go so right. that's, Listen, same to you games. and yours. Greatly appreciate you guys having me on. Enjoyed the conversation. And anytime you want me back on the program, I'd be more than happy to talk football with you. So thanks Well, a lot. we appreciate that, sir. Thank you so much. Take care, guys. Have a good one. You, uh, you as well. All right. Well, I like it's so tough for me doing this podcast stuff because I meet some of the fans and I meet some of the people that talk about the teams. I'm like, man, I like these people. I hate the Giants. What some am I supposed to do have, with those feelings? Some people just have bad taste. Yeah, exactly. And hey, you know, Johnny yeah. doesn't hate his entire family. Well, or maybe he does. I don't know. Johnny, we're still on air. Be careful. Um, so, so, all right, let's get into some things because a lot happened this week with the Eagles and kind of last week too. So 
Dallas Goddard signed an extension. Avante Maddox signs an extension. TJ Edwards signs an extension. Did Howie make good picks? Mike, I'm going to start with you. So I did see a stat that all 11 starters on the Eagles offense right now are draft picks. By Howie? Well, technically, Lane Johnson would have been... Chip Kelly, Chip right? Wait. No, would Kelsey would have been too, right? No, Kelsey was 2010. Um, no, actually, I think Lane and Zach were the same draft class. Yeah, Lane, Lane right? and Zach were 2013. Kelsey was 2011. Yeah, he was that, sorry, that, all that awful draft class. He was the only one that was anything. Thank so God. I, I think Chip started drafting in 14. Okay. They never let me draft. They they will not. Not, not this Chip. But, other Chip. Um, yeah, I mean, these are the type of things that keep Harry Roseman in a job. To be honest with you, he he made picks and he can say to Jeff Lurie, look, these guys are playing well enough that they need to be a part of this team, which in turn says I'm doing my job well. Um, Chip, I know you and I spoke personally. You're not the biggest fan of the Dallas Goddard extension. He's now. The I think it, I think team. it happened too early. I think it happened too early. Which and I, I know you want. I know you want to lock guys up. I get that. But yeah. the last thing he had done was gotten himself concussed. He hasn't shown anything when he had his chances. Um, I think he looked pretty good on Sunday. I think he, he looked, looked okay, good. but again, he got outdueled by the Saints tight end, Adam Troutman. I wouldn't say And we said that on the show. I said I'm not worried about it, except we're gonna make him a household name. How, what happened? How, we made him a household how, name. How did he get outdueled? Because Troutman caught a, a touchdown pass when really Goddard caught a touchdown pass, they just didn't review it. And the other thing that Goddard does that Troutman's not very good at is blocking. Did you watch sure. him go one on one with Cam Jordan? He brings but, a different element. He brings a total my, element. But my frustration with the deal is that right now he signed a, a pretty big extension, right? I know the money is balanced down. It's not that hurtful of, uh, on the cap. I, I get all that. But we're now sitting here a week after the Saints game comparing Adam Troutman to our tight end one. You're comparing. But he signed, but he signed a contract a tier above where he is. Well, I think they're doing this. This is projected, obviously. But I will say, Andy, Andy like Reid just do that a lot. Andy Reid, and him and Joe Banner used to sign a lot of guys in their rookie deals before. Usually, you could sign them like the second year into the rookie deals. They'd sign him to an extension for basically the production after. I that, don't even mind doing. that they did it this year. I mind that they did it so early in the season when he has not proven anything yet. That can be a week. 15 week 16 thing after Zach Ertz is gone and you've had a couple weeks where you are the sole focus in that position. Well, if you look at the games where he was number one, like I said, I, I mentioned on, on the, the pregame show that we had, you know, I mentioned what he was doing in, you know, five catches, 60 yards, five catches, 70 yards, but the elements that he brings, they are paying for the production to be that number one guy down the line. I get that. But what he brings to the table is that able to you know able to block, able to you know, sure. break tackles down the field, make those that's tough, true, that's nice, tough, those tough catches. Um, you know, he's a hell of a player, but again, they are paying for I understand they are paying. It is frustrating to sometimes see why is he giving so much money? He hasn't really shown you anything. But again, it's either you don't sign him and you sign them in frequency when there's three, four, five teams upping the price, or you sign them now in season when there's no other teams that are trying to fight for his services. 
Chip, one thing too, well, a few things that we need to say about this is the beginning of the season, the offense was bad. Jalen Hurts was bad, it was bad. which means Dallas Goddard was bad, but Zach Hurts was getting a lot of targets. Yeah. Now we're saying we want to see more. We're running the ball 50 times a game and passing. Here we are. There is no more to see. We want more Quez. We want more Dallas Goddard. We want more even Jalen Rager being productive. We want more J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. There is no more to give when we're playing football like this. So right now, actually, I don't I don't hate the extension. I think it's a little bit pricey, but I'm glad they extended him so he doesn't mm-hmm. hit free agency and get lured somewhere else. Sure. But right now, we're do- actually doing a disservice to evaluating Jalen Hurts because if we want to see if he's the guy going forward, he needs to throw the ball a, l- a little bit more, with, like just a little bit more here. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know how you guys think about that, but I think I, I see it. I, 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 I can see. I can see your point. I can see yeah. your point. However, you don't have to throw the ball all these times if you're winning. If he is game managing them to wins, that's all people are going to care about. Short stuff, you know, like screens. Maybe I'd love to see more screens. Remember in the preseason, it's no secret we throw to the running backs. It looks like a secret to me, but yeah, yeah, I mean, they 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 did they had a nice screen call with Dallas Dallas Goddard I believe on Sunday. They need, I understand they do need more of that. They need to more, but a, but what they're doing miles, and, and and the way they're running the ball and it's just it it's it's very refreshing to see the kind of holes they're opening up, what they're kind of doing, the movement they're doing. They're actually having guys move. That's the other thing that they weren't doing early in the season. So, you know, I I. I like what they're doing offensively. I do want to see a tiny bit more. Um, I know in the Denver, just because they have bigger leads, they're just running the ball and they're not really trying to pass the ball. Um, okay, I understand that. I want to see more quests. I want to see more quests stretch the field. I want to yeah. be able to see Devontae, you know, stuff like that. But again, this week is going to be big. You know, I, I think so. I think it's going to be a very big because I big think week. you're going to see eight, possibly nine guys in the box. And then also. So, I don't know about you guys. I hate that we're going to the Meadow. Well, I know it's MetLife, but I still call it the Meadowlands. I hate that we're going in back-to-back weeks. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not crazy about that. Yeah. But at least it's not a like a long travel where you have to stay out somewhere. You're just going. You'll come home. You'll go again. You'll come home. Like we don't get on a plane again this season. I was gonna say, I did see there was an update today. The uh, Washington Football Team game. December 19th has been set for 1 p.m. So the rest of the season, no planes, nothing past one o'clock. However, wow. however, there is a scenario, Johnny, where if the Eagles win the rest of their games and Dallas loses two games, the Eagles be NFC East champions. So that means that if Dallas loses one more and we keep winning out, week 18 in Philadelphia could be for the NFC East championship. It will be flexed. That will be flexed. Which means they'll flex, and which means we'll lose, and I'm going to be cranky and miserable, and this is why I hate primetime games. You're getting way too far, uh, you know, way too ahead. I like to look ahead. Yeah, the other thing is, you know, we, we talked about Dallas Goddard. We got a little, you know, ahead of ourselves. Keep going. We didn't bring the other two guys, you know, Avante Maddox deal and the recently the TJ Edwards deal. I, I, the TJ Edwards deal does. I mean, it's a one year contract extension. Cause he's a restricted free agent. So you're basically, and that's fine. They went, we want you here next year. Here's what we'll pay you. He went cool. That sounds great. I'm happy. Avante Maddox. That. What's that? I'm happy about the TJ extension. Yeah. He's been playing really well. 
really well. Avante Maddox, they paid big money for a number three corner. He's a slot guy. Slot corners are basically starters in this league. Yeah. They are. So but they know, still and- have to get a number they still have to get a number two guy because Steven Nelson is not it. Ah, you saw ah, that. He's not. You're right. I was hoping you I was saw that when Darius more. Slay went out. How easily Steven Nelson had but, got exposed. But how about this scenario? By Lil, by Lil Jordan. By so, Lil Jordan. This, he's not so Lil, by the way. He is not Lil. He's like 6'4", 225. But he's like Chinese at, size. From Texas. Um, he, If Steven Nelson, say he would come back on a cheaper deal, a cheap deal, a few million dollars or whatever, as they dra- also draft a younger corner to then learn behind these guys, would you be okay with that? Or That's what they're doing him? this year with Zach McPherson. Yeah. So, so would you want Zach McPherson then your starting outside corner or the draft pick possibly? Well, here's I'm the just thing. Saying, I'm, I'm just saying this is a, a scenario question that I happen to see that actually I think uh, uh, Chris uh, Chris Malley from uh, Fourth and John posted it, and I thought about it. I was like, okay, that's actually pretty interesting to think about. Well, here, think about this. Darius Slay is in the concussion protocol, so we might. I we think might. he's going to be fine. I do too, but the scenario exists that McPherson could end up starting. So we might get a preview into, is this guy ready next year or are we going to need another year? You, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah it's so. it, it's an ever evolving thing because I, I do think they need a, you know, the safety position is another, uh, another position that. But yeah, that cheap. And hmm? help these and help these guys. I'm, yeah. fine with them. I'm always fine with someone coming back cheap. Exactly. And, th- and that's why, you know, I, I pointed that out. But the other thing is Davion Taylor uh, looks like he had surgery. So he is placed on IR. They did claim Mac McCain back return of the oh, Mac, God back and Ooh. forth, back and forth. But uh, uh, more corners, you know, that's what it's out. And they also signed uh, Christian Ellis from Idaho, um, a undrafted player to the practice squad is just an extra linebacker because Sean Bradley, as I know, Mike, uh, him and I were texting back and forth. Bradley did hurt his shoulder. So, um, I'm not sure. I think he's supposed to play, but just in case he does it. <laughs> yeah, um, we're getting to the point of the season where we're starting to get dinged up a little bit. So this yeah. is where you do need to have guys stepping up and doing their job. Some, some um, but but if, I mean, I, I agree with Peanut's comment here, right? We're starting to come into form. The signings are not only for us, but it is for the locker room. We're in the process of developing our identity. And everything our identity that you have heard, everything that you have heard, especially about Jalen Hurts, as a leader, is incredible. I mean, Jordan Mailata wanted to go to war for him. I like watching Jordan Mailata push. I love watching Jordan Mailata play. Did you see him push? I think it was Cam Jordan with his left hand. Yeah. I know, yes, I, I did. Jordan and he just <laughs> that was that's impressive. He's a very yeah. Amazing. Kelsey had a monster game. I mean, look, hey, they, Chip, how's Landon Dickerson doing? He's doing well. He's doing well. It, but he's doing well in uh, the run game. I think he's doing in the passing. Well. In the passing game, it's still it's still a learning experience for him. He's not doing great as a passing. Again, we we say this all the time. Running, run blocking is much easier because you're on the attack. Landon Dickerson's footwork right now isn't great in the passing game. But what about this? Here's another scenario posed to you guys. Brandon Brooks, if he's healthy, do you want him over Jack Driscoll or do you want to keep the line intact? Oh, you want you want Brooks over Driscoll. And I think Driscoll is a fine player. I like Driscoll. He's a rotational think- guy. He can be your swing tackle. He can be your guard. He can play a multitude of positions. He does, he's and great. he plays a bunch of different spots. He's important to this team. 
Jack Driscoll mm-hmm. is very important, but Brandon Book Brooks is a better athlete. He's a better football player. He's a better guard all around. But he uh, just cannot stay healthy. It's the same thing. It's the exact same thing that we were talking about with Saquon Barkley. Um, and Lance Meadow, where he was saying, yes, it's durability and availability. Bingo. Yeah. I, I love Brandon Brooks. I love the idea of Brandon Brooks. Let him play the rest of the year. If he's healthy, let him play the rest of the year. He's not going to be on the, on the squad in 2022. Um, he can't you say you could save a ton of money if you release him. So uh, that's what's going to happen. But again, if he's healthy, you play on the rest of the year, may showcase him for a team that may want to trade for him. I don't know. But well, then, I know somebody picked up Jason Peters, so it'll <laughs> happen. Hey, listen, then if Sam Alu comes back next year healthy, but Dickerson's played so well at left guard, and assuming Kelsey wants to come back, that's the big kicker. Can Sam Alu play right guard? Because I still feel Sam Alu is better at this point than Jack Driscoll. The good we have good issues here on our offensive line as opposed to two years ago or last year, whatever. The is, issues now are we have too many good players. To play. Is and the thing is, is the 2020 season <laughs> helping the offensive line because we had to play a lot of those younger guys, the Nate Herbigs, the Jack Driscolls. Mm-hmm. You know, all these players had to play. These younger players had to play because of the injuries. Yeah, I hate, Jordan. Mylon, I hate that we got that. there. I hate that we got there because of that season. Damn. But I love where we are because of it. And also appreciation for Jason Kelsey just being so oh steady and just he Jason never Kelsey and Jeff Stoutland. Yeah, Jeff Stoutland. Oh, I Jeff cannot huge. Yeah, Jay I, again. Jason Kelsey is a NFL Hall of Famer. You think? not just a Ring of Fame? I do. Okay. I do. I think he's I an NFL so. Hall of Famer, durability wise, Super Bowl wise, personality wise, oh, and sure. what he does. Most centers in this league can't do what he does: getting out on the outside, run blocking, pass blocking on the screens. He's revolutionizing the center position. He's changing it. And he does it at such a high level. Jason Kelsey should be an NFL Hall of Famer when his career is done. It's, the thing is, it's it's the field awareness that he has oh my god some centers would have just kept going and get to get to his guy and not think about you know chipping the guy that was already you know was was already with i think that i think it was the tight end killed that guy and he just boom hit him off who pete werner uh screw ohio state uh off to the side so uh he hit him and then all of a sudden he went to the next level and got his guy and miles sanders got 25 yard you know gash so you know for me I love to see it. I love the run game. I like what they're doing. They're opening holes. You know, some of the holes, because looking at the all 22 film, some of the holes you could drive trucks through. Jordan Howard's going through holes that are literally 10 feet long. It's it's unbelievable yes. what they're doing and how they're running this offense right now and how Nick Sirianni has adapted. And he's able to go with the personnel that they have and, you know, he's making it work. And what he's doing as a play caller, game by game, he's getting better. And that's why I said earlier in the season – Give him time. He's a young head coach when everyone wanted him fired. Not you guys, but I mean, you know. Other I didn't people. want him fired. I wanted something to change. And I wrote a, a very, you it know, did. I wrote an angry article. I wrote a scathing you know. letter. I, w- I wrote a scathe. <laughs> I, I went straight Karen. I was like, listen here. I was like, the kids can't coach. That was the name of it. The kids can't coach. He changed things. He adapted. Now I'm sitting here going, all right, kick and coach. So 
with that, I'll give my prediction since... Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, you don't just get to do that. It's time for the new Lekalocks of the week. Who's your lock? You like that? Jumping into things, sir. How rude. Go ahead. Also, keep an eye out. Uh, There are two videos that are coming that I just, that I did that are going to be pretty good. So uh, keep an eye on those. Uh, A couple highlight. One's a Giants one. We had, I had to remake a Giants, you know, pump up video. Um, because it's a rivalry that'll be coming. And then I have another little clip, like a minute video. That's pretty cool. So something I'm working on, keep an eye out for that, but I will not be at the pregame show. So I'll give my lock and I don't have any control over it. I have my my lock and my prediction. So I'll start with the lock first. Um, I'm not going to go this game. I'm going to go totally different game. Do you, do you have our results from last week? Cause I totally forgot what I picked. I do. Let me, uh, Pull it up here. Paper that was an enjoyable off. sound in the microphone. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, so our guest, uh, Mike Haas, had the Lions get their first win. That did not happen. They, they did not. Um, Mike, you had Flacco beating Miami. Almost happened. It didn't, and he got COVID. Um, <laughs> he caught something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, something something Jalen Rigger can't do. Um, Cleveland... Oof. Rushing for over 175 yards, Chip. I think they rushed for 168, so you're wrong. Um, Hold on. I'm checking that. Go ahead. Close, though. Go ahead. Close, but no cigar. Um, I had Trevor Lawrence, 300 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, uh, Mr. Surfer, not very good. Um, so, yeah. So, we'll, we'll say I think he had like 100 yards, 170 yards and a touchdown. So, that's, yeah, no. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Uh now we're gonna. Are you? Are you? Are you I type to... very loud. I apologize. My God. All right. So <laughs> you keep looking it up. I'll go. My, I'm I'll going talk to. About, I'll, go, I'll talk about my lock, and then you know you can see if you were if you were at 168 or if you actually hit your 125. But for me, the lock. I'm gonna go on Thanksgiving just because you know tomorrow is Thanksgiving. I'm gonna go one of those games as my lock. Damn. And no, wait. 184. The Lions had 168. Are you sure? All right. Now I got to look it up. I have to look it up. I'm going to share my screen, sir, because I can do that. You share share your screen. Here we go. Against the Lions. Rushing. 184. I got to zoom in so you can actually see what I'm talking about. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. You were right. They did. It was lines at one six. So you did get that right. Okay. So there you go. You Look, my, right. I got one. I got one. Of course, someone <laughs> picks a lock with a team who's winless. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of picking a team that's winless, I am going to pick the Detroit Lions will get their first win tomorrow. Ooh, Gross. do tell why, sir. Because the Red Rocket, Andy Dalton, is playing quarterback for the Bears. And I think this may be Matt Nagy's last game. And I just have a feeling, well, Detroit on Thanksgiving, I think they're going to be thankful that they're going to get their first W. So I think that they're going to be ready to play. You know, they played a lot of teams tough. They played a lot of teams hard. They don't give up. That's one thing that they don't do. And it's a divisional game. It's going to be a close game. They played the the Browns close. So for me, 
you know, they played the Browns close with Tim Boyle as the quarterback. Um, now I don't know if he's going to start or if Jared Goff is actually going to get the start. We don't know. Well, so it, it broke, it broke before we went on the air that they are expecting to start Goff. Okay. So good. I, I do like my pick even better. I think the lions get their first win against the bears. Well, damn bears. Are, <laughs> bears are very good. And, uh, Andy Dalton may get hurt because I'm not sure if the left tackle of the Bears is going to be able to. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I had oh to bring it. Over, how about this? Over under two times Jason Peters goes down. That's going to require me to really closely watch the game. Over, I'll take, under I'll, how take many I'll take times, the over. Wait, over under how many times he falls starts? Ooh, I think at least twice. Yeah, put it at two and a half. I'll take the over. I'm gonna take the under. I think he's, oh. I think he's too slow to get too quick off the line. <laughs> Chip, are we doing our locks now, or what would you like to do? Because I have one prepared. Well, I, I actually, you can always recap them at the show. We'll recap. Well, I was going to switch show. it up, and I was going to do an NCAA lock if I could. It's a lock with football on the weekend. It is football. Is it this weekend? It is college. Ohio State beats Michigan by three touchdowns. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. When was the last time Michigan beat Ohio State? 2011? Not with, not just, with Harbaugh involved. I just saw that on Twitter earlier, too. Um, by the way, Johnny, you must have been seeing that report that oh, there's a God. lot of people saying that Matt Nagy has already been informed that he'll be fired after this game. Did you guys see that circulating? Around I did. After? I also saw a video from Matt Nagy's son's high school football game where the fans in Chicago at the high school game we're chanting fire Nagy <laughs> while his son was playing. And did I, you know, I, I will, I'm going to, if Matt Nagy's fired, I think the next coach of the bears is going to be Doug Peterson. I'm going to make that prediction. Jesus. Just saying. That's my predictions. Uh, Peanuts prediction. I think is a pretty good one. His, his lock is that he's going to get drunk and wake up with heartburn. That's every day. Yeah, isn't it? I'm pretty sure that's a that's a that's a Tuesday or every weekend uh, maybe. My official prediction is in the Vikings 49ers game. I am going to say combined points, uh, 75 combined points. Ooh, wow! You really believe in Cousins and Garoppolo? Whoa! And the lack of defense on both of those squads. Uh, I think San Francisco's defense is pretty good. I think that they're okay, but the Vikings have so many weapons. And very quietly, which, you know, really grinds my gears, Kirk Cousins is having a really damn good season. He is. 21-2. and two. Yeah, that's it, it hurts my feelings because Kirk Cousins is the worst. Um, but I have Jimmy Garoppolo on a fantasy team, and he keeps getting me a ton of points. So I, I, at some point I have to support the guy, right? I have Debo Samuel. I think at some point I have to support the guy. Um, and apparently 2007 was the last time Michigan beat Ohio State. There you go. I did see Thank something. Uh, somebody Thank brought you, something up. It was funny. Uh, 2012, they came out with 4K TVs. And it was saying no Michigan no Michigan fan has watched Michigan beat Ohio State in 4K. <laughs> Neither has, And no one has watched Dallas win the Super Bowl in that same, in that same span. Because you need a VHS tape to do that. He needed the red, white, and yellow wires. <laughs> I have some of those around uh, here somewhere. Johnny, want to go over the prediction results? Because it is getting uh, close. It is getting very close. 
So our predictions are season predictions. Uh, last week, Jeremy Bridges had the best week at 11 and four. Uh, Jeff was 10 and five. Uh, Chip, you and I were nine and six. So to round out the whole, you know, all the numbers, Chip, you still have a, a slight lead at 105 and 59. Uh, JB and I are tied for second at 103 and 62. And Jeff is 102 and 63. So we're all pretty close. So it's it's getting close. The difference between first and fourth is three games. Yeah. So it's getting close there. So, Johnny, you're not going to be there on Sunday. What is your official Eagles prediction? So I, I do think it's going to be a close game. Um, like I don't think it's going to be a blowout, anything like that. Um, the one thing that Lance did say about explosive plays Eagles really don't give up a ton of explosive plays. If they're playing the Gannon defense, basically too, too high safety. Um, you know, they don't really give up too much big plays that way. If Daniel, Daniel Jones dinking and dunking his way down the field to me, he has 49 total touchdowns and 49 uh, turnovers. So I expect him to have at least a turnover. So um, maybe Darius Slay possibly too. Maybe Darius Slay gets another touchdown. Um, but I'm going with the Eagles. I think the Eagles are going to be able to run the ball. Even if, uh-huh. even yeah. if the giants stack the box, the giants edge, their edge rushing or edge rushers with contain and everything. I don't think they're as talented and the middle of their defense with Reggie Ragland and Tay Crowder. I don't think that's, you know, a talent laden, uh, duo there. So I think the Eagles are going to be able to run the ball. Um, I think the Eagles win this game. I think it's going to be 27 to 20. All right. Um, Adam disagrees with some of your numbers. I'll take that, but (laughs) (laughs) nice. Another easy Sunday in Adam's world. So, and then Mike and I will put in our official predictions on, uh, on Sunday at the West end in Quakertown. Don't forget since the Eagles are away, there will be a live pregame show an hour before kickoff at the West End in Quakertown. So we will go live at noon, at a nooner, at the West End in Quakertown. So make sure you're checking that all out. It will be a great time. Prizes, giveaways, all that good stuff. Work off your turkey blues uh, at the West End with us. And then we have tons of great sponsors, so we're going to go over that, and then we'll uh, wrap it on up. So make sure you are checking out – first off, thank you to Lance Meadow for joining us because – that guy knows his stuff. He's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. Even though he's a Giants fan, he's a nice guy. So I'm a fan of him. Make sure you're checking him out on the playback, listening in. Follow him on uh, on the social medias. So we also have Statement Games, a fun free twist on fantasy sports. There is a link in the bio. The AATSportsNetwork.com slash shop. Please make sure you are checking them out, checking us out, helping support what we do here at All About the Birds. Symbol, which is the stock market for sports, symbol.com. Use the promo code AAT Sports when you sign up. We are partnered with La Terrain Luxury Watches. Use the code AAT Birds at checkout for 10% off. Funkbrewing.com, the official brewery of the All About the Birds team squad, the AAT Sports Network. And of course, manscaped.com is partnered with AAT Birds. Use the code AAT Birds for 20% off and free shipping at checkout. <clears throat> Your balls will thank you. And, of course, they are holding their special Black Friday sale. So that is 25% off of everything. 
in the entire manscaped.com universe, you just have to say, Hey, Hey, AT bird sent us. Don't forget black Friday. And then also cyber Monday. So make sure you're, you know, keeping your eyes out on that. Make sure you visit that. You get 25% off, you know, clicks for dicks. There you go. Moving on. <laughs> oh, they let me write the scripts. Now I want to point that out. The, the latest script is mine. I'm going to go back to theirs, but whole oh, mama, the, the things I say, um, when you're shaving, he's behaving. So it's okay. I'm just... Why, Johnny? Johnny, you're better than that. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shaving. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to stop before I start doing things See, with Mike's they... with Mike's name. <laughs> We're just moving on. Whoa, gentlemen. Anything else for the good of the order? I don't think so. Cool. As I'm we end, ready. I'm. I'm, re I'm ready for a win on Sunday. That's what I'm. Me ready. too. I'm ready for some turkey tomorrow. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our wonderful listeners. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, sharing. We appreciate you. We are thankful for you. We could not do what we do without you. So thank you. Um, I'm Chip. That's Mike. That's Johnny. As we end every show here on the AAT Sports Network, Go Birds! Go Birds. Here's a Manscaped commercial, y'all. It's the most wonderful time of the year. The season of giving is upon us, and Manscaped is getting into the holiday spirit. Go to manscaped.com and use the code AATBIRDS for 20% off and free shipping on all your holiday gifties. To help get you into the spirit, we rewrote some of your favorite holiday songs to remind you of all their great products. Shave your balls with gifts from Manscaped. Fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Tis the season to be smoother. Fa la 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 la. Buy some gifts today from manscaped.com. Two free gifts for you from manscaped.com. Grooming around your Christmas tree with the lawnmower 4.0. Your jingle balls need some fresh grooming, and it's the only way to go. Smoother balls, smoother balls. Use Manscaped Crop Exfoliator. Grandpa needs to trim his ears and nose hairs, cause he can't hear or smell us anymore. You can say he could just use a razor, but the Weed Whacker 2 is the way to go. For the Jewish friends in your life, Manscaped, 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 shave your balls today, and when they're dry and ready, a smooth menorah you can play. I got Manscaped's brand new body wash. Used it on my mistletoe last night. Also used the two-in-one shampoo conditioner just for fun. I washed and scrubbed everywhere. Now the smells improved a ton. Put in your order at manscaped.com today and have a great gift to give this holiday season. Use the code AATBIRD to check out for 20% and free shipping. That's AATBIRDS at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. Have a holly jolly ball a day this winter with Manscaped.